world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Okay, now that we're all set up, Aldo, I think you need to tell John what a VTuber is. I'm about to have the talk. <laughs> so a, a VTuber is like a normal YouTuber, except that they have like a little anime girl avatar that is synchronized to their face. So as they talk and do expressions, uh, the avatar does that. So you never actually see the person. You just see like a like a like a pirate like a cute pirate anime girl, or or a knight. Abort. Or nope. Or a shark. Abort. I'm out. Nope. Nope. I'm ejecting. <laughs> I'm ejecting. Ah, but, <laughs> ah, this parachute is a knapsack. But, ah. but this is this is wholly a Japanese import, and the biggest the biggest company that does this is called Hololife. Uh-huh. And they have like over twenty of these girls, uh, <laughs> and there's like a few of them that are like super into like growing their international audience, because of course it exists. So a lot of them have been trying to learn English, and they practice English on their uh, on their streams. And uh, boy, they are not good at it. <laughs> but I I don't want to mock them for trying because it it takes a lot to perform. It is hard. Yeah, it well it takes I mean it takes a lot to learn a language. And then on top of that to practice it while you're like performing, like that takes like a lot. But all things being equal, it's funny to hear Oh yes, it is it is okay. hilarious uh to okay. see a little puppy girl play Mario Brothers and then like when she sees the fire the fire rods that like spin in Mario Brothers. <laughs> and she's like she's like water in the fire. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Water in the fire, <laughs> or she finds she finds like a like a trapped uh, Koopa Troopa, and she just laughs at it. And she's like, Haha, "Small, small turtle, <laughs> small, small turtle house." <laughs> oh my gosh! I wonder. I I want to like go back and like see how I looked speaking Russian in Russia two native speakers like if i sounded like even close to what i meant to be saying early on because i know that like i was just stringing words together and the grammar is still still like after studying the language for years i the grammar is still like oh it's a pain and so i wonder if i'm like ah, turtle. <laughs> you know yeah probably or, you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, probably. I probably, I, I probably don't sound. I probably sound like a, like somebody who took Spanish all the way to college, um, to my Mexican <laughs> family. That's probably how I sound. <laughs> no, I did. So I knew a family from Russia that they spoke Russian at home, but the kids had like lived in America their whole life, except for when they were, you know, three, five, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I came back and was talking to this girl who had grown up in the States, but was a native Russian speaker. It was weird because I was like, you're fluent, but you speak with an American accent. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was just enough where it was like, you have an accent, but you also are a native speaker. This is really tripping me out. So, yeah, it's uh, it's funny how that happens. 
I'll have to, yeah, get a compilation video of this and uh, yes, see and how I... it goes. <laughs> Report back next time. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm a VTube fan now. No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe I believe we, we, we refer to those as simps nowadays. Ew, oh, gosh. Ew, ew. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 never mind, never mind. I take back everything I've ever said. Well, speaking of sounding dumb in a recording... <clears throat> Wait, I, I wanted to say one more thing. Yes. Uh, turtle in Russian is cheripaha. Wait, what? It, the word turtle in Russian is cheripaha. It's a fun word to say. Cheripaka? Cheripaha. It's a it's an H sound, not a K. Oh. oh Sometimes that's on. a H, but not always. Not Terichahua. Cheripaha. Tortuga. Furifaha. Cheripaha. I don't know if it's similar to Chiri bang bang? There you go. All right. Flowing in Russian. I've earned my vodka. <laughs> is that, is that racist? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, I was going to say it's a little, it's a little country. It's a, what is it? We're a little town with a big drinking problem. problem or a big town with a little drinking problem. Whatever it is. No, but it's a big country with a big drinking problem. So. <laughs> Can't really yeah. make a cutesy flip on it. I think Steve. I think Stephen is tired of this and wants to start the show. <laughs> Welcome to the Superhuman Registration <laughs> Podcast. What vodka drinks you? <laughs> we are recording this the night before inauguration day, and my wife just sent me a text. Uh, Siri is suggesting that she edit her alarm on her phone because tomorrow is inauguration day, and we're like. It's not that kind of holiday, although maybe we should take the day off. Mm. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was uh, I was genuinely considering calling in sick tomorrow. I uh, I had migraines all day today and uh, had my sick day today. So oh. it's a real shame. It's been a little bit better this evening. But, uh, it's you know, inauguration it just doesn't... for you. Yeah, you know, it, it's, I mean, <laughs> what a way to go out, right? <laughs> like, what a way to spend the last night of terror. But um, it'd, be, it'd be better if my, my, you know, sick day could line up with inauguration day and, you know, kind of kill two birds. But what are you going to do? Uh, hopefully we make it through the next 24 hours. Uh, but if we do, if we do, things will be just a little bit better. Like, not nothing's going to be perfect, but just... An like, upward slope. Uh, I'll take the illusion of progress over what we had, which is no illusion and no progress. Yeah. No wait. Yeah. No, that sounds bad. I, <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet earlier today, and I and I cannot tell if they. I I, I hope they're being sarcastic because somebody was like, "Oh, I can I can already feel the racism leaving the country," and I was just like, "You're no, white, aren't you?" Yeah. <laughs> Based on based on sheer numbers of uh, <laughs> riot rioters alone, um, it would take a lot. So yeah, but I think it's it's let let's distract ourselves. You know, one more night we can get through it with some good good comics. My name is Steven. John and Aldo are here with me. We are going to talk about some X Men and some Fantastic Four. Yeah. And I think we got the X-Men story up first. John, do you want to talk Messiah War? I do. As I, um, Actually, it sounds like we're reading a Fantastic Two books. Hey, Stephen, um, this is just a note for your future edit. The cricket noises go now. <laughs> <laughs> you, can cut, you can cut this. Just fade them in, fade them out, and we'll all just be real quiet. 
My scripts, my script says to hold for applause. <laughs> Ooh, do you have the goldenrod copy? That is out of date. Ooh, <laughs> you should be referring to the blue copy. Dang it! Yeah, it says here. Oh, oh, that's a shame. You had a funny joke here, and and now the moment has passed. So, Messiah War is the <laughs> is. The, is the middle piece of uh, uh, kind of the Cable and Hope trilogy, if you want to think of it that way. I don't know if that's official, but that's, I don't know well, how I think of it is uh, in Second Coming, oh, excuse me, in uh, Messiah Complex, Cable, the X-Man, rescues Hope Summers as an infant uh, from a mutant massacre, takes her to the future to be safe. Um, towards the end of that run, um, Bishop tries to kill her because um, retcon or whatever has happened at this point in, in the story we know that Bishop has come from the future to prevent um, the mutant genocide, is it a genocide? I don't know They're, the mutants are, are, are kept in camps and tagged and um, just in a real bad way in the future and uh, he believes that Hope is responsible for it, she grows up to become a terrible person that causes all of this. So Cable rescues her, takes her to the future, and um, Bishop is chasing them and has been chasing them for a couple of years as they're going further and further into the future. Um, Messiah War, we cover um, what happens to uh, Cable and Hope before Messiah or uh, Second Coming, which is we'll we'll read sometime in the future. Um, Bishop is after. Hope wants to kill Hope. Ha- knows that he has to take out Cable to do it, so he approaches Strife. Who's Strife? Strife is the clone of Cable. Um, same powers, but was stolen. He was Cable was clone. Okay, so Mister Sinister gets Madeline Pryor <laughs> oh and Scott Summers to make a baby, thinking it'll be the perfect, <laughs> the perfect uh, mutant. And he does have incredible powers, but then Apocalypse infects him with the techno-organic virus. That's why Cable has a glowing eye, he has a metal arm, it's because he has this virus. So a lot of his power is used to fight, keep that at bay. The people who saved him and took him to the future were worried about losing him. They made a clone of him, and it turns out he survived. He recovered to the point of, you know, going on to live, and they, they ran away as they were being attacked, and Apocalypse came and took the child. He intended to raise the child as a future um, life force for himself, a way to transfer his consciousness. He wanted to have a new, a new body and have this, this mutant right here. Um, that was Strife. Strife is Cable without any of the techno-organic virus any of the problems that uh, Cable has. So in some ways, tougher, more powerful, but he's a bad guy. He eventually uh, turned against Apocalypse, and they've fought through time. Um, Strife at one point, they thought Cable thought he killed him. I believe that was the end of Executioner's song. And then this is after that. As far as Cable knows, Strife is dead. Well, Bishop got into the future and created catastrophes all over to the point where he could bring strife to the future and strife could rule the world kind of at a point they call it a temporal mitt i think so they are far enough in the future and they know cable has to keep escaping and going forward so at some point they're going to catch him because they've created a world in which strife is in control bishop and strife have set up a trap 
for Cable. They know he's going to end up in their future at some point. In order to uh, get Strife interested, Bishop offers him Apocalypse, a point where he can take Strife to Apocalypse and kill him when he's weak, and then he, uh, Bishop will have earned Strife's trust and uh, him as an ally, so that's what they do. Cyclops, after Cable leaves, days go by, weeks go by, time goes by, and he realizes, you know, Cable is a time traveler. He could have come right back if everything was okay. Something must be wrong. So he sends the X-Force forward to meet up with Cable to help him. Um, it's all of um, just really, um, like, kind of the... the, the um, I don't want to say killers. I don't know. How would you describe this X-Force lineup? Kind of like it's the, the Black killers. Ops team. It's, yeah. It's the Black Ops team. It, yeah, yeah. That's probably, yeah, Black Ops team. So You know, as much have... as I like the idea of them being the killers, I would prefer if X-Force was closer to the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> Woof. They do look good on the dance floor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Woof. Sorry, I just... <laughs> I just time I mean, traveled here good. from 2006. <laughs> Boy. Um, so, what happens is, so it's uh, Wolverine, Warpath, Domino, um, Vanisher, which his name is Telford Porter. Teleporter. Is that as stupid to you guys as it is to me? That is literally the yes. only note I took on this story. Yeah. Oh, I... that his name is Telford Porter. <laughs> and at one point, Cable holds up a gun to Wolverine and says, tell Porter to bring her back right now. And I couldn't think of anything yeah. else other than teleporter. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> they also bring along Elixir because he's uh, he can heal everybody. I think that they've cloaked his mind because he doesn't really know who Hope is, but some realizes at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, who else? Domino and X-23 are there as well. And Archangel. At some point during all the fighting of these, you know, these future people they run into, these uh, strife minions, uh, Archangel is whisked away because he hears the call of Apocalypse. Um, the first person they run into really is Deadpool. Deadpool has been alive this whole time for thousands and thousands of years, and his mind is even further gone than normal. They realize, as he's telling his story, that, oh wait, of course he works for strife, and of course he's kind of in the middle and they're they're mad at him because they know he's holding out on them the whole time and he's kind of positioning them to be taken out by strife but not really helping either side very much he's giving some information to the x-men but he's also not warning them enough it ends up being moot because strife finds them anyway they come upon strife citadel which is um apocalypse's old ship i think it's and i think cable had it at some point it's just ship it's this futuristic city ship that uh, that uh, strife it's has. been around yeah it's been around um they fight they fight they fight they fight they fight and ends up um apocalypse is able to get enough strength back he's not quite dead he's getting better um he uh, he and archangel come back uh, apocalypse is able to take out strife bishop is um defeated almost completely and then he he goes to uh back to the past um broken and you know wanting to try again and the x-force go back to their original time and cable and hope go on to escape some more um that's the gist of it and we can get into kind of the nitty-gritty but yeah um this is the precursor to 
Second Coming, which might still be my favorite X-Men story. Um, I liked it better reading it this time than I had in previous times, but I still have some issues with the art and issue hopping between X-Force and Cable. But um, again, I've been blabbing a lot, so you guys, what do you guys think? I was going to ask how, how attached you were to this story, because I wasn't the biggest fan. You know, it's it's definitely, it's I don't like it as much as Messiah Complex or Second Coming, but this time reading it, I think because there are some issues where it's just Hope and Cable, and the art in them is so poor that it, it distracts from everything else, but I think those are just the Cable issues right before this. They're not part of the event. But there is some problems in this where... Uh, Hope is is a child. She is, you know, uh, probably five years old, give or take. Um, And she's never drawn as a child. At best, she looks like a little person, but like an adult. Just, you know, shorter than everybody else. That always bothers me in comics when they can't draw a kid. Um, The worst jump, I think, um, we get in... um, X-Force, you know, we get a lot of, like, kind of darker backgrounds and rendered characters, and then we go from um, a Cable issue to, or excuse me, that's, yeah, X-Force, X-Force to, from the fifth chapter to the sixth chapter, um, Cable issue 15, there's been all this background stuff, and it's all been, like, dark and brooding, and then it's, like, this bright room with very simple layouts, um, the the heroes are just laying on the floor with their injuries. It's not as like highly rendered. All of the face, uh, the face, the facial expressions are okay, but they're also very static, um, and it's a bit too like they're going a bit for too much realism in in some of the facial expressions, and it, they lose a bit of their um, I don't want to say animation as much as what am I trying to say here. It was a bit of their character, their personality. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bit stiff, and it's not. I don't know. It just. I. It's always tough. Like when the artist switches, it's really bad when it's in the same issue from one page to another. The artist changes. This is two separate uh, comics, and and granted, like, you know, on the whole, like it's still a professional job, but um, the st- I didn't care for the style as much because sometimes it works really well, and sometimes. Or at least sometimes it's like adequate and sometimes it's just, I don't know, this kind of, I don't know, it just seems a little stiff. I don't know how to describe it. This is where, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by the art too. Uh, Despite the fact that I think it's like, technically I think it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like I look at some of these images of cable and of strife and I was like, if I had this on a trading card in the nineties, I I would think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something about um and we actually have a couple of different art teams on this. They're they're working in a similar style. Mm-hmm. Um but they're they're not the same people. Um the the painterly style, especially for a story as muddy and uh, gritty as X-Force is trying to be, I feel like that sometimes makes it difficult to follow the action. Exactly. And so in those scenes where there is a lot of, of you know, gunfire and chaos, I got lost. And there's a lot of, like, you know, oh no, like, one more shot and this, this character's dead. Or, you know, one more little thing. Um, I'm looking at... Uh, Chapter 5 here, 
and the first page like it's it's ridiculous hope is like she has a, a she has a, a an adult woman's head on like a teeny tiny body and enormous hands like i get she's in you know uh, this like modified x-men outfit and so she probably has big gloves but this is ridiculous but this it, it's you know we get this yeah like painterly style so the backgrounds um are all dark here and sometimes they'll like you know they won't be as detailed in the facial expressions um but yeah it's just it's just jarring going from one to another i i think for me the problem i I think if i mean yes i agree with everything you guys have said um but i think specifically one of my problems is clay uh clayton crane i think that's his it's the name clayton oh clayton crane i like him he's the colorist right uh no he's an artist oh he does the art too he yeah, does yeah. the art too. Okay. Uh, very, very excellent. I, I like him. Uh, specifically though, 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 I like their art as a cover artist, and I'm not particularly fond of like their interior work. Mm-hmm. And this book kind of illustrates. I don't know that it's their weakness because I think some people like that, but when you get a lot of action, a lot of characters, and just a lot of stuff happening on the page for him, you lose a lot of detail, to the point where like characters are just kind of shapes. They're, they're, they're compromised out of shapes, but there's no, like, detail on the faces or anything. So you get the idea that, like, Wolverine is charging at somebody, but, like, if you if you look at that image just a little bit longer, there's no, there's no defining, like, facial features, right? Like, you're just kind of going off because the shape is, is similar and all that stuff. Uh, so, like, your mind kind of fills in the rest, which, you know, in a sense, I think that kind of speaks to their ability to be able to do that, but I don't like it. <laughs> I forgot to mention the creative team. Uh, Dwayne Swarzynski, Craig Kyle, Christopher Yost. The pencilers are Mike Choi, Clayton Crane, and Ariel uh, Lavetti. Uh, uh, Dave colorist. Wilkins, I think, is also one of them. Oh, yeah. Sonia Obak was the colorist. Um, I didn't mind the writing. I think that the, the story's okay. It's a little straightforward. It's just we're going to have a big old fight in the future and everybody wants to kill everybody. But it was interesting playing the different sides against each other. Strife wants to kill Apocalypse more than anything, but it's a very close tie that he wants to kill Cable. Um, Bishop really wants to kill Hope, but has to take care of Cable to do that. Apocalypse um, is going to do what Apocalypse does. And so, yeah, they... Um, are able to kind of point him at Strife and take him out that way. Archangel is able to over... He's, Archangel has in the past been the Angel of Death and resists that call, um, is able to manipulate um, Apocalypse so that they can uh, take out Strife. And so that's some character development because that's kind of plagued Archangel this whole time. But really, it's... Um, um, there's not hope nothing really happens with hope <laughs> she's just a kid she's just like you you want to because she does she keeps saying like you know nathan tell me what's going on nathan go and tell me what's going on because she's a kid she wants to know she doesn't know anything she just knows like bad guys are after her, and she's confused because strife pulls off his helmet and it, it looks just like her dad um but she kind of is this in the same spot as she was before just something to be saved and we don't really see her make that that turn until she grows up a bit in the next the next uh chapter in this this uh, story here but um i did like you know we get these monologues from bishop because you know he, he's dealing with with strife who is a telepath and a telekinetic and really powerful and so he has these size shields put up to block his thoughts 
his singular thoughts about hope. He has to focus all of his attention uh, on ignoring the thing that's the most important to him in his life so that he doesn't, he doesn't blow his shot here. He doesn't want Strife to realize how important hope is, and he does, and when he does, he's going to try to turn her into him, trying to uh, open up her potential. At this point, we still don't know. We know that she's a mutant, but we don't know what her power is. We don't know why she's so important, and we won't know until um, the end of uh, Second Coming. Yeah, we certainly don't want Bishop to uh, throw away his shot. <laughs> Man, can I just say, uh, <laughs> moving on from that reference, uh, look, there was a rule. There's a rule like every fifty episodes or so. Dude, we do Hamilton references, specifically that one, almost every other episode. I swear. I was being generous. I just, you know, the floor uh, is every fifty episodes. The ceiling is well, probably every episode. As a like, I don't know much about Bishop's character arc. Don't know much about biology wow okay <laughs> it's gonna be one of those episodes no it's just it's just like a reflex yeah bishop bishop character arc like i don't know much about him from like he appears in the 90s maybe the late 80s you know time traveling character uh super i don't know mysterious and futuristic and tough he he definitely has sort of a 90s edge to him not as much as cable but he definitely has that that same sort of edge but he was like the good guy right he uh joins up with like the the uh mutant police to try to like solve crimes and you know protect and serve and all of that i i and maybe it's because I don't know a lot of that history, but I have a hard, hard time drawing a line from that bishop to the bishop who is literally chasing a baby through time to kill it. Yeah. That has never, that has yeah. never sat well you, with me. You can also, you, I feel like you can also, because this is like a 2000s book. This is what, 2009? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is kind of like when they were getting a little like, I don't know, darker or whatever. And I think that's really uh-huh. obvious, but because they get away from his typical, you know, blue and yellow outfit, he loses the those sweet, fantastic, almost godly Jerry curls. No kidding. Seriously, this is such a good look. Yeah, and they, and they even flashbacked and they show him like in in the classic look, and I was like, how how did we stray so far? <laughs> so I'm I'm looking through the uh, just the Wikipedia here. And trying to see if it says specifically raised in a mutant, uh, oh, raised in a mutant concentration camp in the aftermath of the Summers Rebellion, an uprising in which mutants and humans joined forces to destroy the Sentinels. And it didn't go well. <laughs> Did not go well. But yeah, the, he is raised hearing about the X Men and told stories about these legendary X Men from you know when his grandparents were alive. Um, but yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm trying. It doesn't say. Spe- I mean, they didn't obviously have this idea um, specifically, right. but he he was part of the uh, what's the XSE stand for? The it's like extra security executive or something like that. Yeah, uh, Xavier's uh, Xavier's security enforcers. Yeah, yeah, mutant police from a dystopian future. So he like comes back. Cool powers, too. He can absorb energy and then redirect it. But, um, yeah, it never says specifically, like, yeah. But then we learned that, oh, he, he, to him, Hope Summers 
is little baby Hitler, apparently. And so he's, he's you know, past the point of this is a child, this is an innocent, that she hasn't done anything yet. But he, yeah, is... Which, yeah, which I can't, I can't help but, like... I, I don't know that... I, this kind of bugs me. Because the whole, you know, baby Hitler, would you kill baby Hitler, you know, thing is... I feel like it's a little played out at this point in, yeah. in the year of our Lord 2021. But, um... <laughs> But like, the, so my problem like reading this book was it kept reminding me of a, of a different X Force book, where they have to go find a child Apocalypse, and they're gonna go kill Apocalypse who has been reborn as a child. That might have been the same run. I, I d- yeah, maybe because it was the, a different X Force team. Who's at the Jean Grey school? That he's guy? later that at kid? the Jean Grey school. Yeah. Okay, so it's the same kid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was a different lineup and a different art. Team, so it wasn't it wasn't the same the same run i think it might have been the run right after this but like i don't know i just kind of kept thinking about that and i don't i don't know i just kind of get tired of that <laughs> yeah so like and this was definitely like it had, this was the dark x-force i like and i i don't know i i think this this story was too dark for me um, it was just kind of unrelenting. Yeah, I kept I kept thinking of that quote. We've said this a couple times already, but like that whole idea of like you know comics aren't for kids anymore, and really that they kind of should be. And it's it's yeah yeah, and it's kind of like I don't know that I necessarily. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a parent, but like I don't know if I would be totally cool with like my kid reading this book. Yeah, well, I mean, it's got a parental advisory label. That yeah. too, right? So I mean, yeah, if you let your kid read this book. Uh, shame on you, I guess. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I mean, just the whole idea of like, yeah, this is the dark book. Everybody's covered in blood all the time. Like, that every Deadpool gets stabbed in the brain. Yeah, uh, Wolverine lose like gets his eyes gouged out. Domino loses her sight, I think. Yeah, yeah. and oh, and one of their like friends is tied up to a machine and is begging them to kill her. And X-23 can't do it, so Domino does it. Oh, it's yeah. just unrelenting. In a, and in a page montage, we learn Bishop is actually, it's its all the traps he's set up through tape, through the time stream here for, to trap Cable. It's, it's millions of people that he's killed. He's set up like world wars to try to get Cable into an inescapable future where he's going to confront strife. So, but he figures if I, un, if I undo... If I kill Hope, then none of these people will have ever been born. It's going to undo all of this horrible thing. So he doesn't even see it. He's beyond the point of, yeah. So I'm gonna I want to read more about um, <laughs> how, how does Bishop come back for this? Because he's he's uh, part of the Marauders led by Kitty Pride right now. Apparently, one of Krakoa's captains alongside Cyclops, Magic, and Gorgon. Apparently, huh? Uh, so well, I, I mean. Yeah, I don't Apocalypse know. Apocalypse joined the the, that's, the X Nation. That's true. So yeah. well, I mean, they they've let everybody in. So I mean, yeah, except except Sabretooth. Except Sabretooth. Somehow Sabretooth was. <laughs> oh gosh, we're not talking about that story though. We're talking about this one. I don't know. I st- I still think like there's there's some some stuff that's okay. I don't know. I like like they get into the to Cable's head. They get into Bishop's head. They get into Strife's head, and that that was interesting to me. But I understand this is kind of the weak part of the trilogy yeah i was gonna say like just about every character actually does have a character arc which is interesting because i don't think they needed to do that or 
I don't know. It doesn't really fit. This isn't a story that you come to for all of the character development. But they're trying. Wolverine doesn't have, like, much of an arc, but, you know... Uh, X-23 and Domino have their sort of tension with their friend, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, Warpath has sort of his uh, defense of hope going on. Uh, Archangel has a whole arc with uh, Apocalypse. Um, like, the, the, there is some character stuff going on here that I think is really interesting and has the potential to be really good. It's kind of bogged down in all of this grim dark, though, and I like that's yeah. the point that I keep coming back to. Like, this is not a fun story. No, it should be fun because you know you. It, it's at the end of the day, it's about uh, time travelers who are trapped in a time where they have to fight their evil clone. Uh, you know, it, it, there's there's so much room for clever and fun and exciting and adventurous but because it's the grimdark x-force they have to have a lot of blood and i think i honestly think it holds the story back a little bit like i, I don't want to say it's bad just because it's violent because that's not really the problem it's violent and also unimaginative yeah it, it takes itself way too seriously for a, a story about people with powers and stuff like that mm-hmm I, I think the it takes itself too seriously for a story about warring time traveling grandpas. Yeah, and, and I think my problem yep. is it's like it's not that I have a problem with like X Men stories or stuff that takes itself too seriously, because I think there definitely is a place to that. And I think oh, that yeah. I think specifically when I when I feel like it's a or adequate or like not how's the word appropriate to take itself seriously is when you're trying to make a point, and I don't feel like this book is trying to make a point. I don't think there's like a bigger message here. Oh, there's there's absolutely not. This is just continuity uh clean up for continuity's sake. It's not even clean. Oh, okay. Cuz this is like continuity as it's happening. It's like this is the next thing that happens in the story. The story is the violent X-Force and Cable and Hope. Um but we just need to get them from this point to this other point. And that's Again, like, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I don't think every story needs to have, uh, you know, some larger message. It can just be a fun ride. The problem is this isn't a fun ride either. So it's got no point, no fun, violence, but it's not even particularly creative violence. Mm -hmm. A couple of decent covers, though. Like, the cover to Cable 15 that has Hope in the Strife Armor, I like that cover. I still can't get past, like, little baby hope, just not baby, little creepy child hope. It's like every horror movie when, you know, there's a there's a creepy kid, and it just, I don't like it. Yeah, so I uh, I took one note, or I took okay. one screenshot from from this book, uh, <laughs> and it's, and I posted it in, in our chat, but it's, a, it's like the top panel of Cable number 14, page 6. And it's it's hope in a bubble, and strife is in the back looking at her, and yep. uh, boy, that baby's a little unsettling. Yeah, yeah, it's not not a fan. Why can't we draw kids? <laughs> well, kids I mean, I can't hard. because I'm not a great artist. But these people, I don't know what their excuse is. Shoot, <laughs> dang. <laughs> oh, gosh. Strife. Let, let's just let's just say that Strife's armor is a, a great um, testament to the the wild and crazy uh, character designs of the early '90s. The 
you know, shoulder pads, the, the uh, utility belts, the, you know, I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very much 90s excess. And it's fine. Like, I don't know. It's interesting to me because I can get emotionally invested in Cable as a character. I have a hard time getting invested in Strife. And I don't think it's necessarily just a clone thing. Because I get kind of excited every time Ben Riley shows up, you know, in <laughs> Spider-Man books. So it's not just... Okay, every time, though? Uh, fair. <laughs> okay, that's a... <laughs> Yeah. I don't think I've ever been excited to see Strife show up. He, Yeah, he does need a little bit more than just, I'm evil Cable, like he should just have a mustache. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like it's Star Trek and they're in an alternate universe where everyone has mustaches and that's the only thing that's different. He's just like, ha ha. I mean, he does have the... Can cool you imagine, moment. oh my gosh, can you imagine Strife's mustache? I'm picturing oh, like man. it flows out and then it breaks out into like four spikes on either side to kind of mirror the spikes in his helmet. Oh, I was to draw this. I was a little bit <laughs> I was a little bit more muted because I was thinking of a Silver Burt Reynolds. See, I was oh, thinking no, 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 of no, like no. It, Silver Burt Reynolds but then the ends definitely point up like there's spikes <laughs> on his shoulder pads. There need to be multiple spikes. Strife stash is a multiple spike stash. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Well, great. Thanks, guys. I was going to go to bed right after this, but now I'm going to be up drawing mustaches on Strife. <laughs> trying, to, trying to just nail it. Maybe it can be like a coloring page, like, you know, uh, uh, with the next post of this uh, podcast, you can also download a Strife coloring page is where you can put on a mustache. Oh, gosh. Um, we've talked about this enough. I just want to say that I liked, uh, I like Cable from the comics and there'll be, there'll be people who like Cable from the movie Deadpool 2 and I've never seen that. So know that, know that I don't know, uh, I I don't know Cable from the movies or the, the nineties show or whatever. I'm all about this trilogy and then everything else is just icing on the cake. So I, I think Cable from the movie, not that there's a movie podcast, uh, but I think Cable from the movie, I think he's, I think he's fine. I mean, well, he I mean, I like Josh Brolin. I figured it was pretty good, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fine. I mean, he doesn't have this. He the, he obviously doesn't have the the whole mo- motivation, right? Um, because I don't think we'll ever live in a timeline where they can make enough movies to you know tackle that mess. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. He he was good. I liked him, Josh Brolin. I think if. I think if he was to portray this cable, I think it'd be excellent. Yeah, I like him. He was, you know, Thanos, obviously, is really good. Yeah. Thanos, if you're fancy. Or you're French, it's Thanos. <laughs> Thanos. Or Thanos, if you're us. <laughs> Ant-Man, climb up into the Thanos. <laughs> all right, are we ready to move on? Wait <laughs> a minute. <laughs> brought this at the, you brought this upon yourself. I did. What can, yeah, this is literally my what fault. What can Ant-Man do? Well, you know, height, he can grow, he can shrink things, but mostly he's a suppository. <laughs> okay, so... I guess you could say he's a, a suppository character. <laughs> he's never the main character. Yeah, primary, secondary, tertiary, suppository characters. Speaking of atrocities, let's talk about unthinkable. Oh my gosh. Jeez, for all the good the Ant-Man, for all the good Ant-Man did, you might as well have just taken him and shoved him right up. I guess the storyline is really going to require some analysis. 
boy, you really had to, you really had to awkwardly bend over to get that that joke in. <laughs> yeah, I had to, uh, I had to really get in the crack for that one. <laughs> so Fantastic Four, quit butting in, Stephen. We're having fun. I believe this is Fantastic Four Volume Three. <laughs> You know, in hindsight, we wasted a lot of time. (laughs) Okay, let's back it up. (laughs) Come on, seriously, let's crack on. Okay. He's so mad. We were a little fractured. Okay. So, Fantastic Four, I believe this is Fantastic Four Volume 3. Uh, the, this is the story that leads up to the 500th issue of Fantastic Four. They renumber the series right in the middle, or I guess at the end of this particular story arc. Uh, this is unthinkable. It takes place in Fantastic Four Volume 3, issues number 67, 68, 69, and 500. Nice. Yep. So, fun. Uh, written by Mark Wade with... Art by Mike Marigno, uh, whose name I can never pronounce, but I love his art. He's, he's the penciler. Mm-hmm. Carl Kiesel does the inks. Paul Mounts is the colorist. And Chris Eliopoulos is the letterer. Uh, this is quite the story. Oh, gosh. I, I kind of want to challenge myself to see how quick I can do this summary, just going over, like, the high points. Dr. Doom makes a deal with the devil where, in exchange for... The life of his ex-girlfriend, he gets magical bone armor that he uses to trap Franklin Richards in hell and otherwise just torture the rest of the Fantastic Four. Reed Richards is struggling to come up with a way to defeat Doom because Reed Richards, despite living in the same universe as Doctor Strange and Brother Voodoo and all of these other magic-themed superheroes, does not believe in magic. Uh... Doctor Strange is able to help Reed kind of get his mind around some magic so that he can use this weapon to overpower Doom, free his family, rescue uh, Franklin from hell, and Doctor Doom winds up getting trapped in hell because a condition of the powers that he got is that he has to just acknowledge that these demons have given him his power, and he can't do that because he's Doctor Doom. And so Dr. Doom winds up getting dragged to hell, but on his way to hell, Doom uses the last of his magic powers to permanently disfigure Reed Richards' face. And that's how the story ends. Happy Fantastic Four 500. Hey, you know, not bad. Yeah, I was really trying to do it as brief as I could because there's a lot of little things that I want to talk about as we go through it, but I think we can do it as part of the the general discussion. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wade is the writer. We've seen Wade a couple of times. Overall, I think we really like Mark Wade. Love. Mike Waringo is someone who comics creators have a lot of respect for. I think part of that is because he passed away. Um, I don't know if it was super recently. I do think it was within the past 10 years. Uh, there is a comics award named after him. It's the Ringo award. Um, he his style is very interesting. It's very stylized. It's it's very you know cartoony, but in a way that's very particularly comic booky. It's not something that you would see animated necessarily. Uh, but his characters have very prominent, very pronounced uh, facial features and hairstyles. Um, 
I like it. I I really like his style. He makes his children look like children. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, I do I do want to point out he uh he did pass away in two thousand seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two thousand seven. Okay, so it's it's been a little more than ten years. Yeah. It's been almost fifteen. I'm I'm a little bummed out that this is really my first time not just hearing about him but also seeing his seeing his work. Oh. Yeah, I dig his artwork. I don't love the the doctor doom mask that he draws in the first issue yeah uh, oh the plain the one very, yeah the the one that just looks like a face with really really big lips yeah like i don't love that uh but and i frankly i don't love the design of the the, the demon bone armor he has is either. it is it bone or because because uh ben Grimm said it was leather i don't know what it is i just it okay. it, it, it looks like they made a he got armor made out of his dead girlfriend. <laughs> Let's hope it's uh, well, bone or leather. Yeah, yeah, both troubling, both really troubling. I'm pretty sure it's leather. I'm gonna stick with leather. Uh, it probably is leather. Uh, but that's where my complaints about the art end. Like otherwise, I think Ringo is brilliant. I love his style. I love the the acting, the performing that his characters do. I like the way that he draws kids. Um, he does a really good job with the more fantastical elements, a lot of fun energy surges, the demons are really well designed, a lot more intricate than anything else he does, and I think it's great. Um, but yeah, all, all, this story has some highs, some lows, overall I really like it, this might be my favorite Fantastic Four story I've ever read, which isn't a broad pool, but... I don't know. I've read almost the... I think I've actually read the entire Wade and Ringo run, and this is easily the high point of that run. What did you guys think of it? I really liked it, and I agree yeah. about the art. Um, it's fun, and it uh, really works for this story. I, I didn't care too much for Doom's like costuming, because Doom always has a really cool look, but this was kind of like... The, the weird like stitching on his face, you know, how everything's held together, I didn't really like that. Um... But it was, it, like, that's nitpicky because everything else was really good. Ben Grimm looks great. Um, and that's, you know, tricky to get his kind of, like, you know, eyebrow looking right. And, you know, I like how it's, like, the rock plating and everything like that. It's really cool. Um, you know, this is, you know, kind of cartoony, kind of stylized, but, like, not too much. And, and the, you know, the anatomy and the posing is still good. The You know, the uh, coloring was great. The paneling was really cool. Um, easy to follow through the story, and um, yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, I thought, uh, you know, Doom's, Doom's such a great villain, because in this one, he was just like, you know, just out for revenge, and uh, pretty horrifying to take over your, you know, worst enemy's child like that, and her first word becomes oh, gosh. Doom. That was a really cool, like, oh yeah, they, they go way back, and this is Doom, like, hitting hitting the Richards where it hurts, so... That was pretty cool. Also, she's named after Doom's armor girlfriend now. Yeah. Yeah, because apparently Doom helped, uh, like, Reed couldn't be there when she was born, and Doom was there, and it's technically her godfather, and, like, helped Sue deliver the baby. So that, but that's, yeah, part of the story that I, I haven't read. But Yeah, you know what uh, makes me uncomfortable? Doom has seen things about Mrs. Fantastic, and I don't know how I feel about that knowledge. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if the birth of the child, then Ooh. yeah. Wait, no. Oh, let's let's not dwell on that, anyways. Um, 
Maybe she t- maybe she was invisible and just a baby appeared. Out of <laughs> I don't want to think about. Oh that. gosh, we're definitely moving on from this topic. <laughs> so interesting seeing Reed's arc. You know, like straight up, he's seen magic. So is his sticking point that he's like trying to he, like there has to be a regular explanation for it? Did, does he think he can recreate it with science? Every little thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he kind of says it in, in like. You know, there's like a bit where he talks about how uh, how it's just it's just a science he hasn't bothered to learn or understand yet, mm. which I, I think he I think that that kind of was meant to be like a throwaway line, but not really. Like it's supposed to seem like that on the surface, but you know, as we dig into the rest of the issues, I think that just becomes a little bit more apparent that that is the truth, and I think that's kind of what frustrates him, and he dismisses it, and he's just like, whatever, it's not worthy of me because like. You know, I guess I, I can't be, uh, you know, the person who advances technology by five years if I'm stuck learning magic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's also a it's... thing where he feels, you know, smaller, dumber for not being able to understand it or really kind of get how it works. Because as the way that Strange explains it, it really is the opposite of science. Yeah. Yeah, Richards has it in his head that magic is, it, uh, this is uh, one of, Arthur C. Clarke's three laws. Um, the third law is any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And that's kind of Richard's approach. It's it's not the, this is really, you know, mystical and ununderstandable. It's just something that he hasn't bothered to learn. I even think he uses that terminology, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. He says, I haven't bothered to learn it yet. Um and so it's really interesting that the character arc for Reed Richards is coming up against something that he cannot understand and having to accept that he doesn't understand it and being able to do that. Contrast that with Doom's character arc, which is he has this is probably his greatest victory over the Fantastic Four, but he didn't get it on his own. He had to get help. And all he has to do to hold on to this victory is acknowledge that he got help. And because he's doomed, he can't do it. Nope. Otherwise, so he would not be there's, Exactly. There's a part of me that kind of, uh, like, it bothers me a little bit just how on the nose it is that the magic words to activate the weapon that Strange gives Mr. Fantastic is, you know, Mr. Fantastic has to acknowledge how that he doesn't know everything. Like, <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm an idiot. I don't, it's beyond me. Like, those are the magic words to activate the gun. That's a little on the nose. But, like, you don't come to comic books for subtlety, necessarily. You come to comics for the the fun and the adventures. And this has a lot of fun and a lot of adventures. And also Franklin Richards trapped in hell. Like, the thing that's interesting to me is both of the stories that we read today were really grim in their own ways. Yeah. Um, Fantastic Four in multiple ways because one of the characters is literally named Grimm, but he's the fun one, so go figure <laughs> that out. Uh, but anyway, like, so we read these two really, like, really dark stories, but the Fantastic Four one really works, and the the Messiah War didn't, and I think it's because you've got these two characters with their really solid arcs that actually balance each other really well. Doom's arc and Reed's arc they mirror each other and they go in different trajectories and it's very narratively satisfying. I do like anytime Reed and Doom go up against each other, um, 
because they both have a lot of similar skills, you know, where they're both brilliant minds. Um, they both, you know, are kind of like uh, to, to a point in science, you know, they, they're um, so advanced. But yeah, um, it's it's always fun to see them like butt heads like this. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> I really like this story. I think it's I, I, I am. It hasn't aged perfectly well because it, it has repeated references to Doom's Romani heritage. And I don't think they've, uh, like, I don't think people were, I don't think American writers were as aware of how damaging the G word can be. Yeah. And how dismissive it is. So, like, the that stuff kind of makes me uncomfortable. But, I don't know, this is almost the perfect Doom story. Almost. I, I still think... Secret Wars is definitely a better Doom story. Um, but the, but... That pr- the first issue where, you know, he's looking for a fortune a fortune teller, looking for a fortune teller, and then the, the turn where he finds Valeria, and he's like... I, I need I need to I need to have your love again. I need to have her love again. Oh, I just need your soul. <laughs> yeah, that's that, such uh, a good bad guy thing. Because it was called unthinkable, and I knew nothing going into this. Uh, I legitimately thought it was it was about him like becoming a good guy for like a bit. Because that's that hasn't been yeah. done enough already. But <laughs> <laughs> so and so that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought like he was going to retire. He was going to do this, and then like something was going to happen with magic. Not the character, but the thing, and the, not, and not the thing, not the thing, but <laughs> yeah, but not magic. the okay, not not the okay, not the person, <laughs> but the thing, but not the thing, but the the concept of magic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and like the X Men, we're gonna have to not the X Men, the Fantastic Four, we're gonna have to like go find him or or something. But but no, like when that when that happened, and I was like, whoa, hello there, what's going on? Nice to meet you, Buck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a very, very much like a oh, sit up and pay attention. This is this. Yes, this book's not messing around. If, yeah, if I was watching, if this was like a show, this is the moment where I would like stop laying down and just like sit up straight. Yeah. So Mark Wade, I wanna, I wanna just get this quote in here real fast. Mark Wade, in talking about Doom, um, has this really great quote where he describes Doom as regal but not noble and he followed it up by saying um dr doom would tear the head off a newborn baby and eat it like an apple while his mother watched if it would somehow prove he were smarter than reed yeah that that fits he gets he gets it he does obviously he gets it because he brought it to bear here and that's the thing that i like about mark wade um at least in most of the works that i've read uh because uh, I, I can't think of an exception right now, but I'm hedging a little bit just in case there is one. Wade understands what makes the characters fun and interesting and exciting. So this is a story that has Dr. Doom doing literally the unthinkable, possessing a baby girl, sending another child to hell, torturing his worst enemies, uh, and falling at the end to his own, you know, conceit. But it also opens with Reed Richards and Sue going on an adventure in another dimension where Reed Richards has to learn to speak in trinary. Yeah. It's like weird and exciting and fun and I've never seen that before. And that's what you go to Fantastic Four to see. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I also I have to say I kind of I mean considering like the the, the the super grim dark book that we read next to this, I don't think I don't I don't feel like any of that. I mean, actually, yes, the the person trapped to a machine to like make a time bubble in an alternate timeline. Uh, I think is the only thing that gets as dark as seeing the literal rocks break off of the thing as he's being beaten oh, continuously. It's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, whoa. Oh, yeah, that's hard. It's hard yeah. to watch. Yeah. 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 But well done. Um, and something something else I will say, just kind of as a plug for the rest of this arc, uh, everything is kind of picked up from earlier in the series, and nothing that we see here is completely disregarded going forward. Like... Franklin winds up with PTSD after Mm -hmm. this that the family kind of has to learn to deal with. All of this stuff. There's a great moment that I circled. I think this was in part three where uh, Doom is holding Valeria and he's trapped Richards in a room um, where, you know, he's going to make Richards have to learn to do magic in order to free his family. Otherwise, you know, he's going to kill him. Um, Doom taunts Richards by pointing out that he is the center of his own universe. He makes fun of his name, Mr. Fantastic, that you chose that name for yourself, says it all. He's, like, calling out Richards for his arrogance and his selfishness. Um, But it's interesting because you... The very first story in the Wade arc is a one-shot issue where Reed kind of... At one point, I think he tells Valeria why he created the Fantastic Four, and he did it out of a sense of guilt for what he did to his friends, specifically Ben Grimm. Yep. Because the thing is now, like, kind of a monster. He would have a hard time, you know, fitting in. But by turning Grimm into a superhero and making him a celebrity, it makes his life easier. And so that's why he did it. And so it's interesting to know that was Reed Richards' motivation coming into this story and then hearing Doom say, no, you did it for yourself. You did it because of your ego. And knowing that that's probably true on some level because Reed Richards is a huge egotist. Yep. It's just, I don't know, this is a really... uh, It's a good arc. And it's got solid art throughout. I love the colors. Um... they're good. <laughs> They're just bright and and I, I think the brightness of the coloring helps to offset some of the grimness. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, and I and I think you know, I think this book, like you know, kind of like you mentioned about him being egotistical and all that stuff. Uh, Mister Fantastic specifically. I mean, it plays into the thing that we all know, which is that he's kind of a crappy person. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like this, I feel like this book just reinforces that. But it still helps him come out on top by showing that he's he's a terrible person, but he still ain't Doom. So, you know, it's okay to cheer for him. And because he has to call himself stupid. <laughs> that, that helps. Um, but it is that whole, at, at the end of the day, uh, Reed will learn and grow, and Doom will not humble himself to the point where he can learn from other people. To the point where Doom is projecting so much. Uh, I think it's, uh, I, I don't remember which issue this is, but it's funny, Doom is talking to Valeria, uh, what, you know, walking around while the Fantastic Four are getting tortured. Monologuing. And he's monologuing <laughs> to the baby. You gotta have an audience. 
And he t- he tells Valeria that it's Reed Richards' fault that all of this stuff has happened because Reed can't let go of a <laughs> grudge. And it, it's, it's you know, projection much? Yeah. Or, you know, in Doctor Strange's uh, arc, astral projection much. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I love when it's quiet and I can hear Steven just being disappointed. Your mother and I are going to have a chat about this. I love... <laughs> I love, I love what I love what I can hear through the silence. Steven just regretting even starting this podcast because it all led to that joke. <laughs> He's like, I could have asked, I could have asked anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So, anybody have any other comments? Uh, this this made me excited for Fantastic Four because um, when it, when Fantastic Four is is. You you realize, oh yeah, this is the book that like created Marvel, that saved Marvel. Like, this is when it's on, it's it's on. It's really really great, and I I, I really hope that at some point they do Doom right in the movies, um, and uh, we get more comics like um, Secret Wars, the, the the you know the current one when we had God Doom, just great stuff, just such a great character. So. Um, Yes, I vote for more Doom. <laughs> I would really hope that, like, two things from, like, the show, you know, kind of specifically even from this book, is that, like, we re- we do get those those weird, wacky, off-world adventures. Like, I, I, just, I just hope we get that, because that, I think if this is, like, I don't know that this is a great book for it to be your first book, even though they do a really good job at explaining... Most of the back knowledge that you need, I, I, I really do appreciate that the book just straight up starts out with, with one, you know, uh, Reed and and Sue kind of off on another world, learning he has to speak Trinary, he's stealing some sort of crystal thing and blah blah blah, right? But then you also kind of get the lighter stuff, the even light, even more light stuff with, <laughs> with the water balloon, the water yes, balloon. which which we haven't mentioned that at all. That was terrific. Which was kind of beautiful. No, Ben Grimm no, drops a two-ton water yeah. balloon yes. on Johnny Storm. <laughs> who, with his own face yeah, on who it. Even, even, <laughs> even going, even flaming on, still was drenched, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good stuff. As as much as I dislike the uh, first Fantastic Four movie, um, when they they did have some scenes where Johnny Storm is pranking Ben Grimm. And there's the the way Chris Evans like he finally gets him to like pie himself in the face, and his little <gasps> he like lifts up his arms like to celebrate real quietly to himself. That was a yeah. funny moment. But we're not a movie podcast. <laughs> this might have been my first Fantastic Four story, like ever. Well, no, this run, I think. Oh, yeah. So well, anyway, if you like this, I do. I do recommend the rest of the run. I think it's pretty solid. Yep. Yep. I'll have to check Great. it out. And it ends with. It ends with the Fantastic Four meeting Jack Kirby, who is God. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. They they have to go to heaven, uh, and God is Jack Kirby. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I have to I have to incorporate that into my pantheon because God's been Morgan Freeman in my head for a long time, and so now now I got to rethink my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sh- let let's rank these. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay, so 
Currently on our list, we have 132 stories. We've been reading a lot of comics, guys. Yeah. So, tippy top of the list, uh, let's see. At number 25 on our list, we've got Runaways Volume 1. And I think, like, you know, all of those stories above there, really solid. I would recommend them to anybody. Yep. Uh, bottom of our list, you know, starting at uh, 107... It's the new Warriors story from 2005. <laughs> yeah. You guys remember that? That's where they're doing the TV show, right? That's where they're doing the reality show, yeah. No, I just, like, that one's kind of meh, but, like, everything after that is, like, bad. I was going to say, uh, it's more than I can say about Messiah Complex, because I, I cannot remember what happened in Messiah Complex. It's kind of all over the place. They recapped Messiah Complex. Did they? Because none of that felt familiar. Yeah. Nope, that was that was what happened. The first issue of of Messiah War, they recapped Messiah Complex. Yeah, they're like everybody was trying to kill this baby or rescue this baby or eat this baby because somebody wanted to eat that baby. It was yeah, the sure. X Predator or Predator X, I think. Predator X, yeah. Yep, and Professor X got shot in the head. Apparently, it didn't kill him. Yeah, because well, he's he's died so many times, but he's never gonna be. I know. Uh, anyway, so where do we want to rank Messiah War? I think I would put it higher than you guys. Yep. So my opening bid is um, uh, 46, which is currently Riot at Xavier's, the Grant Morrison Frank Quietly run where Quentin Quire kind of gets hopped up on mutant drugs and uh, wants to, you know, revolt against Cyclops. Uh, you know what, John? Uh, you are correct. That is higher than where I would have put it. <laughs> I just wanted to put a I just wanted to put a ceiling on here before you guys dropped in the floor. So I'm trying to decide if I liked Avengers versus X Men better than this or not. You did. That's number seventy three is where I'm looking. <laughs> oh boy. Um, okay, maybe I was a little higher than that. I I, I feel like I would put this like at sixty six. Above the new uh, Star Wars New Hope manga. I'm definitely not going to yeah. agree with that. <laughs> um, like, this isn't going in the bad section of the list, though. No, it's like, just in the, in the middling yeah. Yeah, like, section. I, I, I want to point out, um, like, we're kind of in the same neighborhood as Earth X, which I think it's is not bad. weirdly, like, yeah, I, I, I kind of think Earth X is, is similar in an interesting sort of way, because, like, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily fun to read but it's interesting huh. i i feel like earth x had more to say earth x definitely yeah. had more to say yeah that's fair <laughs> i yeah i would put it above demon bear oh actually, actually i think i'm okay with that i put it demon bear is 70. my floor i which one's better to give i forget that's it's wolverine but i forget what happens it's it's the wolverine story where he uh it's the die hard christmas one Oh yeah. <laughs> well, this in, is better than that because th- that's like a one little fight. This is like a you know a mini event. But I understand that you know it's two against one. Well, and I like I don't have strong feelings about anything at this section of the list other than that New Hope manga. This Messiah War is not better than that New Hope manga. Well, it has a lot of help from one of the most important movies of all time. So. Yeah, but again, the New Hope manga was uh, technically a very good comic. Messiah War was technically competent. 
(laughs) That sounds like a backhanded compliment. And it kind of is. And I don't mean it to be. (laughs) Um, But it kind of is. Like, the... I want to study that New Hope comic just to see how to do an adaptation. The Messiah War comic, I only want to read to then move on to the next story. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so I'm just going to say 70, yeah? Below Orthax, above Demon Bear? I'm fine with that. Yeah. Sorry, John. I understand. All right. And so now, unthinkable. I, I thought somewhere in the 20s for this. Um, it's it a, is that it's a good. good. It's a good like. What are the What are the Fantastic Four all about? What's Doom all about? Well, let me tell you. Um, I think higher than that, we get into where it's competing with some classic, you know, big events, or you know, in the um, in like no normal, like Ms. Marvel. That was really well done and important culturally at the time. But I think this is. I would put it above Last Days of Magic, the mm-hmm. Jason Aaron Chris Piccolo run, and uh, Under Dark Phoenix. I would, I would, as a, this is a great example of some flagship characters. Ta-da. I would, see, here's, here's where, like, I, uh, I, I I agree with you, and I'm only off by, like, a little bit, because I feel like, narratively, there's a lot more straightforward than Dark Phoenix. Well, yeah. Which, so I would prefer to put it up higher, but the problem is Dark Phoenix has, has legacy behind it. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was my thinking is like, yeah, Dark Phoenix, reading it is like, boy, this is so property, but it also is kind of like, it, it's it's like the the BCAD moment for the X-Men, pretty much, so. Yeah, uh, I, I, I am perfectly okay with, with, uh, with that spot. I kind of want to put it above Dark Phoenix. Well, two to one, got me, now it gets you. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Oh, cuss. With what John, with what oh, John okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was like, I was still like uh, half a topic behind. I'm still booting up. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, what's what's the first Captain America story you give someone? I mean, you there's a good argument for it to be Winter Soldier. Or where he punches Hitler, yeah. but you know. Yeah, I haven't actually read that story. It might not be that it's good. It's probably really um, bad. But you can't beat the image of that cover is what I'm saying. No, that cover's real good. <laughs> I actually it's do think that there's an argument to be made that this could be the first Fantastic Four story that you give someone. Yeah, I think that's fair. It, I think it's of comparable quality to uh, Winter Soldier. And I, I don't know. I, I do think it's easier to read than Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix does have a little bit more history behind it, so I'm not going to fight for fight too hard to put it above yeah but that's where i think it should go i had to say it yeah i mean i was i was where you were in your argument uh but but kind of thinking about that legacy aspect of it yeah Yeah. especially because you know i mean granted i'm not super into comics as i used to be but even when i was super into comics unthinkable never came up yeah Mm -hmm. which is a bit of a shame but i don't know i think the first story i would probably the first uh well, no, that's more of a Doom story because I was gonna say, I was gonna say Triumph, Triumph and Torment, but that's more of a Doom story, not Fantastic Four story. Right. Unthinkable is kind of the perfect illusion of change story. Uh, you know, Stanley talks about, I think it was Stanley who talked about how serialized comics have to have the illusion of change. Things don't really change from issue to issue. You have a status quo that's maintained the whole time, but. Uh, you feel like things have really progressed. 
and unthinkable feels like a lot has happened. But at the end of the day, you know, the Fantastic Four eventually goes back to normal. Uh, Franklin gets over his PTSD. Doom comes back from hell. Like, nothing really has changed all that dramatically. Although the immediate status quo is very, very different. So, yeah, like... It's not as momentous, and it doesn't, and I think for that reason, it doesn't leave as big a legacy, other than being like a really good defining character moment for Doom. I thought we were yeah. done talking about Unthinkable. Let's no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Um, okay, so we were talking about what to read for our next episode, and uh, we were we were talking about a couple of different uh, characters that we haven't read much of, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and then John pointed out that maybe we should do some Valentine's Day comics. One of my dumber ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I I beg to differ. Because of how, how quickly it was accepted and worked, and, and there's material for it, I, I, I apologize. Literally just went into the app and typed in Valentine, and there are three single-issue, one-shot Valentine stories that we are going to read for our next episode. The app giveth and the app taketh away big time. Yep. So one is the Marvel Valentine special from 1997. Uh, the second story is Star Wars, a Valentine story from 2003. And then the one I'm personally most excited for is Ugh. 2006's Punisher, Bloody Valentine. I'm I'm a little disappointed I didn't see it earlier, but uh, or else I would have also recommended Marvel Heartbreakers. <laughs> oh, I was looking for romance comics, and we're just going with these three because they have the word Valentine in the title. That's literally. I, well, it. <laughs> I mean, I only bring it up because uh, Heartbreakers it's is a single issue anthology, and one of the stories, the first story in there is called a Chemical Romance. <laughs> My Chemical Romance, or. Your no, ke- just a chemical, a chemical romance. Whose chemical romance is it? Just it's just one. It's just sitting there. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh oh. This is a sequel to Beauty and the Beast, which was a team up story between Dazzler and the Beast. Oh. Oh, put that on the list of things that we have to read eventually. Yeah. I I don't actually like Jay and Miles explain the X Men go over Beauty and the Beast and. That's all I know about that story. I don't even know if it's any good. Well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's just an epilogue to that story, so I, I don't know. Yeah. But whatever. We'll find out one day. Someday. But in the meantime, we're going to celebrate the spirit of love with a Punisher story and a Star Wars story that promises to be a little questionable. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Me and my dumb ideas. I... I blame the calendar. <laughs> just when we record and when the episode will come out, I was like, we need to get ahead of the holidays, thinking to myself, stupidly thinking, surely there'll be a Valentine's Day. It can't be that. And then it's like, Punisher Valentine. Oh, no. So, so John, if, if it makes you feel any better, our Valentine's episode is going to be episode 69. Nice. Oh, I nice. hate it. <laughs> nice. That's nice. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.